The title of the message this morning is Giving God Your Best. So as you know, if you've been here, we've been going through the book of Philippians, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, or we're continuing to do that. Paul hits a space here where he's going to talk about the relationship he had with the generosity of the Philippian church. So we're going to uh, unpack that, we're going to read it, explain it, apply it. That's what we're going to do. And so if you're able to stand to your feet, we'd uh, like to uh, read the scripture together. I'm going to begin in verse 13. Then I'm going to ask you to read the alternate verses. This is the word of the Lord. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. As you know, you Philippians were the ones who gave me financial help when I was first brought you the good news and then traveled on to Macedonia. No other church did this. At the moment, I have all that I need and more. I'm generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphroditus. There are sweet-smelling sacrifices acceptable and pleasing to God. All right, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Father, thank you that we're here. Thank you for everyone watching online. I pray that uh, as we pause, that our eyes and the affections of our hearts would be steadfast upon you, the author and the finisher of our faith. You are our treasure and our great reward. There is no one like you. So, Father, as we turn to your word, we ask you to speak to us, to open the eyes of our hearts, and add your blessing to the reading and hearing of your word, we ask this. The Holy Spirit, illuminate the scripture to our hearts, and may, we, may it come alive within us and experience its transformative power. We ask this in Christ's name, and everyone agreed, saying, Amen. So this morning, we're continuing in the amazing book of Philippians. We are coming close to the conclusion uh, as we've been taking a verse-by-verse verse look at this book. It's unlike any other New Testament letter. Uh, we're going to talk about giving God your best. And an overarching theme is God doesn't want anything from you. Let me say it again. He doesn't want anything from you. He wants something for you that happens when you do like the Philippian church did here. So if you have your app or whatever, we're in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, New Living Translation. I'll also be reading from the NIV, and the scriptures will be on the screen here. It's your first time. Uh, the Apostle Paul is in a place called Philippi. Uh, he had started the church there, and 10 years later, he's, he's writing back to them. They'd heard about his situation, that he was in trouble, that he had great needs. They're concerned about him. So they sent Epaphroditus about 800 miles to engage him, to give him clothes, food, financial gifts there. Paul's blown away. Paul's overwhelmed by what they did. So he writes them a thank you note, which expands to the book of Philippians and uh, to them and by extension to us. And it's, it's endlessly applicable to our lives today. So I'm going to begin in verse screen as we, verse 13. Again, the scriptures are on the screen as we jump in. It says, for I can do everything. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. In other words, I'm endued with strength. In other words, I'm receiving strength. Uh, he's saying that the secret of all things that I can do there is that it's through Christ. It's through Christ. So I can be strong through Christ who is giving me the strength. So he's saying that he makes me a partaker of his power in relationship to that. That's how I can do all things. It's not like some blank check, you know, like you can tear telephone books apart with Christ who gives you strength. It's a, but it is this. It is saying that I can battle sin and I can battle addiction through him that gives me strength. I can say no to fill in the blank to him that gives me strength. 
Continues in verse 14. Even so, you've done well to share with me in my present difficulty or my distress. This has a little echo, uh, if you could turn it down. And so Paul's a prisoner. He's incarcerated in some kind of uh, uh, house arrest in Rome there, chained to a Roman soldier. And it's very difficult for him physically. I mean, he's struggling here. I mean, he's a tough guy. I mean, he's like, he was left for shipwrecked. He was left for dead. He's in bitten by poisonous snakes. He's uh, been homeless. I mean, he's really a tough guy. There, there's not, nothing soft about him at all. And he's saying, hey, I am now distressed. I'm totally stressed out here. So he has great need. In the middle of that need, the word comes to the Philippian church that nothing was being done about the need. No churches were helping him out. And so they're poverty-stricken. They're poor. And yet they rise up. An act of love there. And Epaphroditus then brings them the gift that I previously talked about, a generous, sacrificial gift to perhaps one of the poorest churches in the New Testament there. They're very, very poor. And so uh, they didn't have a lot to give, but they're the ones that gave, not any of the other churches there. And so Paul then was sustained by the Philippian church while he's in prison there. The Philippian church, you know, God works through people. And he worked through the Philippian church here. So he's, they are God's instrument to meet his financial need. They provided for Paul, though poverty stricken, they sacrificially invested in him. So he says, you've done well. You've done well. In other words, he said, you did the right thing. You did the noble, it literally means in the original language, you did the noble thing. You did the excellent thing. You did the beautiful thing. And again, where he's going is, this isn't about me. You're going you're to see, this is all about them. And so he said, you did a noble thing when you shared with me, when you partnered with me, when you connected with me. That was really, that was really noble what you did. You did well. And so he's saying then this, but, but he's overwhelmed by, by, their, by their generosity. He says, notice what he says here, that you shared with my present, my very personal, this was me, my present difficulty and so in my tough spot. You became my, my partner. You shared in this journey here. And so then he offers words of appreciation in the next verse. He says, as you know, you Philippians, you were the only one. That would be like calling you the, the Eukaipans or the Calamasians or the, uh, the Bomanans. So he calls them by the city they're from. As you know, you Philippians, you're the only ones who gave me financial help. When I first brought you the good news and traveled to Macedonia, no other church did this. They're the only ones. So going back 10 years, it was good, it was beautiful, it was amazing what you did in your extreme poverty there. And I super appreciate you and what you've done. Now he's dependent on God, solely dependent on God, puts on a clinic on how to be dependent on God, but recognized that God would work through people and he worked through the Philippians. But he says, you're the only ones. Isn't that amazing? They're the poorest ones, but they're also the only ones that rose up and supported him. So he's talking about the church of Philippi supporting him financially. He says, watch, for even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. So Paul then goes from Philippi, about 90 miles, to Thessaloniki there, the church of Thessalonica. And he says, when I took a pit stop there, I just, I just got there and quickly when I got there, you supplied another gift and then another gift. And check this out. Uh, Thessalonica is a big city, big resource city, lots of people, lots of money, 
Lots of resources. They didn't do anything for Paul. Nothing. In fact, Paul had to get a job. You read in Acts, had to get a job as a tent maker to make ends meet. It's bivocational. That was his existence there. Grinding it out so he could put food on the table. Thessalonica did nothing for him. Philippi, on the other hand, the poor, small city helps him out time and again. Now, you can understand the, the, the heart of, of where we're going with this. It says, you even, even when I was there, you were prompt, you were immediate, you were aggressive, you were generous. Thessalonica, nothing, 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 but you, you helped me. So it says, you Philippians sent me help more than once there. You were quick, you were immediate, you responded and so now he's in the larger city that's doing absolutely zero. The big city that, that should be able to support him did not, while the smaller Philippi full of generosity. So, so all that to say this, I'm, as I was preparing this, I'm, uh, I'm looking through it, and uh, I just read, I read, I read dozens of commentaries and things like that. I'm trying to just un fully understand the spirit of what's being said. And I stopped, you know, I had kind of a, just a sort of a, a just a moment. And I said, I said, we need to be like the Philippian church. I want to be like the Philippian church. So I'm telling you that this is how you want to be individually, corporately. This is our role model. They've laid it out here. They're the premier example that you want to put into practice in your life. Oh, we're going to understand more of that in just a moment here. So let me give you an example of why I think you are already that. So Taps, a few weeks ago, was at a fundraising event. He does, he does a lot of that kind of stuff nationally and internationally. He goes and sings. They talk about the orphan from Zimbabwe, and he'll say a few words about fundraising for whatever the event is. He had one in Orange County. A guy there uh, was the founder of the largest private bank in California. You can catch my drift, okay? Uh, so uh, he's talking to Taps for two hours. And he says, tell me about, because they did this event together. He says, tell me about, the, although they knew each other but had never talked. And he said, tell me about Zimbabwe. Tell me about the orphanage. So Taps talks about it in two hours. And then he says, he said, well, well who supports you? Like he's, he's trying to figure out who supports such, a, such an endeavor. Those Karari's Boys Home in St. Joseph's Orphanage. And, and Tab says, well, my church supports me. There's nobody, I mean, who supports you? And where do you go? And what's the, 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 the different uh, organizations that support you? And he said, every time I have my need for so many years, over 10 years, 12 years, my church supports me. Sanctuary supports me. And he said, and he couldn't believe it. This guy that does professional fundraiser, uh, he couldn't believe it that one church supported them. And he said, I want to I meet your pastor. I, I want to I talk to him. And I want to I hear more about this church. And so I'm going to meet up with this guy uh, in, the, in the near future here. But anyway, but I believe that Sanctuary has a Philippi, it's Philippi-esque, okay? And so generous with our resources, uh, the church that where we give, and uh, give sacrificially. And so now look at verse 17. Here's his heart. Here's his spirit. He's saying, look, he's saying, I'm not saying all this because I want a gift from you. And this has no ulterior motives, he's saying. He says, I don't want anything really from you. Here's what I want. Look at this. Look at this. Look what he says here. I want you to receive a reward. He's saying, I don't want anything from you 
but I do want something for you, and this is what I want for you. I want, I want a, you to receive a reward. So I'm not, here to, I'm not here to work you. I'm not here to pump you for money. I'm not about that. In fact, I work a job so I don't have to do that. And he's more concerned about their gain than his gift. So he's saying, look, this is what I want for them, not for me. I want, I want you to receive a reward here. In other words, his deep concern in his heart is the spiritual blessings that they have the potential to receive. So he says, I want you to see this on your spiritual account, your spiritual fruit. In other words, the eternal dividends that accrue toward you. He's saying, I want fruit to, to abound uh, toward you, toward your account. I want there to be eternal rewards for you in heaven. This is laying up treasure in heaven. So Paul reminds them that they are, they're building a reward. Like what they've done, he says, look, this is more than a monetary gift that you've given to me in Philippi and in Thessalonica. He says, look, this is, this is about there's a reward. Another translation reads, uh, he said, uh, I, I seek after, and that word seek means I earnestly seek, like, like I'm all about this. Like I passionately, intensely want this for you. I'm seeking after the fruit would abound to your account. Again, this has nothing to do with me. This is about them. It says, I'm looking for the fruit that may be credited to your account. That's in the present tense, which means it is continually being credited to your account. They gave, it is continually being accredited to their account there continually accumulating. And so when you give to God, there's a blessing, watch, that is continually building up is what he's saying, laying for, the, uh, for yourself treasure in heaven. And then he says this, and at the moment, like I've got everything that I need and more, like I'm overwhelmed. I'm blown away by God's blessing through you. I'm generously supplied with the gifts, that includes financial gifts, that you sent me through Epaphroditus the sweet-smelling sacrifice that's acceptable and pleasing to God. So he's saying this, quite frankly, I'm like blown out of the water by you. No one else has done this but you. And so he's saying, look, you need to know the immense appreciation from my heart to yours because your generosity has changed my life. It's changed my life. And that's the impact of our generosity. It changes Lives, I could change his. And so he says, the gifts you sent, now watch, here's what it is. Well, this is important that we get this. The gifts that you sent are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is pleasing to God. Now I want you to think about that. Think about this. He's saying, look, your sacrificial giving, it's like a sacrifice there. So when you gave it to me, you're actually giving it to God. So see, my, my responsibility, our responsibility is to God. Oh, well, watch, when you give there, it's like a fragrant aroma that ascends to heaven. Just look at it. That's what it's saying. When you give it, it's accrued to your account. We have a responsibility before God to do that which pleases him. A lot of times people say, well, I just want to please God. Well, okay. Here it is, like in black and white. Here's how you can please God by, being, by stepping into generosity. Because giving is a sacred act of spiritual worship that pleases God. Okay, it's sacrificial, uh, uh, it's giving it away. David said in 2 Samuel 24, 24, I don't want to bring a sacrifice, a burnt offering before the Lord that just doesn't cost me anything. And so what happens here is it, it did cost them. Well, watch what happens here. 
When you give like that to God's word, the Bible is saying that it's pleasing God. Uh, it's an aroma like that ascends to heaven. So the best example that I can think of is this, is that, like, I love barbecues. Anybody in the house love barbecues? Okay, and I love to smell the smoke. Like, I absolutely love smelling the smoke. Go to barbecues in Texas with uh, our, our middle son. I will pull up to some Texas barbecue, and you can just see it and smell it. And, like, and you're just thinking about what it's going to taste like. And so, uh, but it's like, it's just ascending to you and it's so pleasing to you. And the Bible is saying this about God. The little Philippian church, it doesn't have two nickels to rub together. It's saying this, God's saying like, yeah, like that church right there, not Corinth, not, Philipp, not, not Thessaloniki, not Galatia, not Ephesus. No, that little church right there, Philippi, that they have, hardly have two nickels to rub together. There's an aroma uh, that is so pleasing to me by what they're doing. And I'm pleased with them. That, that's the, uh, the idea here. And so, uh, so their financial gift then is reaching to heaven. Watch, it's delighting the Almighty here. It's delighting the heart of God. And so even a widow's might is noticed by an infinite God. Even a widow's might is an, is an aroma that ascends to God. And so then he says this, watch. He says this. And my God will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which has been given to us in Jesus Christ. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And that's very popular scripture. It's on coffee cups. It's, it's tattooed. It's, uh, if I was going to get a tattoo, that, that might be the one I, one I would get. But anyway, that's another subject. But let's be reminded, let's be reminded of the context here. Because every text has a context. It's very easy to apply this that has absolutely nothing to do with the context. So what is the context? Well, it's not a promise that you can just kind of pull out of your pocket and just apply to anything or anybody. No, there's a very specific context. It, it, it's not, uh, if you've not been a good steward of your resources, it, it doesn't apply to you. And so the promise is given to a church that is giving, okay, uh, out of their substance, not out of their excess, and they're giving till it hurts. They're giving generously here. So that's the kind of giving that God took notice of, and that this is, this is the context here. So when Paul writes to the Philippians, he's saying, hey, you Philippians, you, you've, been, you've been generous, uh, and even though they're just scraping by, God is going to supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Again, not written to the Thessalonians, not written to the Colossians, not written to the Corinthians, written to the little church at Philippi that is bound in poverty, and time and time again, they're giving. God says, to you, I'll meet all of your needs in Christ Jesus. And so, notice it says, and my God. Like, put the go back, yeah, and my God. And connecting, verse 19 with verse 18 and prior. And what was that about? It, it was the church then of Philippi. So it doesn't apply to everyone everywhere, uh, but it's connected to the previous verse there, the Philippians who are giving to him while, while he's in jail there. It says, now to you and to you, God will supply all your needs. And so the context of meeting all of our needs then is verse 18, where they gave an acceptable sacrifice 
an aroma unto God. So the promise then follows the Philippian churches giving there. And so God supplying their needs following their sacrificial giving. And lastly, I want to point out this here. That it says here, that we're going to read, that they will be repaid by God for whatever they gave. It's not the reason that you give. It's not a, not a motivation. But when you give to God, I think, I think here's one of the most important things to understand about generosity and about giving, which I can tell you from my own life is true. And that is when you give to God, it does not deplete your resources. Give and it shall be given back to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will God give to you? Proverbs says, he who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord, and, he, and the Lord will repay him. The Lord will repay him. Luke, again, 638, give and it will be given to you. So the principle then throughout Scripture is this, that when you sacrificially give, God honors, uh, God honors that. And so he's saying like, you dear Philippians, you are so dear to my heart here, and you gave generously, and I want you to know that God is going to give back to you here. And so, uh, and I think that, I think that sometimes the reason that we can hang back, I'm just like you, the journey is the same for me, it is for you. I understand everything that you think and feel. And so, uh, uh, so and I have felt that in the, in, the, in the hesitancy to hang back, to hang back from giving because you think to yourself, man, it's going to deplete me, going to deplete my resources. But contrary to scripture says that it's, when you give, he's going to give back according to his glorious riches. In other words, the limitless riches of God, the infinite ability, the unfathomable ability for God to give there. So God guarantees to supply all the needs to those who faithfully will cross that line and give back to God. And so now in closing, the doxology says this. And to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Glory to God. In other words, this is the ultimate aim of your life. The ultimate aim of, of, of human life in relation to God and a Christ follower, to give glory to God. And then he says, greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. All the brothers, all the sisters who are with me send greetings. So I just want to point this out. I just want to point this out. Community. Like there's a community here where they know each other, and they know each other enough to greet one another. And so, so there's community happening among all of God's people. And he's saying, look, I want you to individually bring greetings from me to them. What's that say about him? That he knew a whole lot of people. He's saying, greet all of them for me. When you read the book of Romans, this great bastion of theology, at the end of it, he says, hey, greet all the, greet all the saints. Greet Rufus and greet this person and that person. He lists like 27 or 30 people there, all personal people. This is one church that he knew. So he's saying that here. And then he says, and all God's people here send you greetings. Watch, watch. Look at what it says. Everybody look at the screen here. Because you can read over this and completely miss the significance of this. Especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Who's Caesar but Caesar Nero? The madman who would light human bodies on fire and naked on a horse, screaming to them as they would light up the dark sky. That's Caesar Nero. This is the guy that's a monster who would kill people at a whim. 
This is, this is a guy that make, make Hitler look like a Boy Scout. He's saying, look, greet the people, the Christ followers that are in Caesar's household, which tells us this, that this incredible verse here, that the gospel can invade the darkest places on the planet. Think of the darkest places you can think of. This is what happened here. The, the darkness of Caesar's household, the madman, the monster. There are Christ followers there. He's saying, greet them too. All the folk in, in Caesar's household. So it's saying, look, uh, watch this. The Philippian church supporting the apostle Paul and the gospel went to the unreachable places in the earth. It's awesome. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Grace, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So he's saying this, and he has his final words, to say, above all else, above all else, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may you experience his grace, his never-ending grace there, uh, may be expressed and experienced in your lives. And I think that that's one of the most beautiful closing prayers that has ever been uttered by human lips and one that you want to experience and one that you want to communicate to other people too. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. End of message, all right? Would you stand to your feet? Father, thank you for uh, your word here that we have looked at this morning. And Father, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be upon everyone here and those watching online. Father, I pray that uh, your word would not return void, but accomplish the purpose whereunto it's been sent here today as we have gone through the scriptures verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Father, I pray that there would just be a, an inescapable reality of the revelation of the truth of the scripture that would break over our hearts, shaping us and inspiring us to lean into what you have said. Transformative words. Not that you want anything from us, but that you, like the Apostle Paul, want something for us. I pray that by your grace, that this could be a community like the Philippian church, that we would be like them, that we would draw from their example, their inspiration to us. Father, I pray that you would do this and you would do more. In Christ's name, amen.